0: Hello everybody and welcome in to the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate Grutnibblink, I'll be your host today, and today we're taking a brief break from the strategy series and I'm going to take a minute and answer some questions from all of you. I asked for strategy related fantasy questions on Reddit and in the Apples and Genos Discord server and I got some really interesting topics to dive into today. Now, while I'm talking about it, make sure you do check out the show description of this podcast you're listening to right now. Click the link, join the Discord server. Absolutely free. You can come and chat with hundreds of other very knowledgeable fantasy hockey managers in there. Now, let's dive in. I'm going to start here with a couple of Discord questions from the Mark Skinner. First one is, is it a problem to have multiple guys from the same team? So, all things being equal, I would say that it's not ideal, just because it hinders your roster flexibility. Uh, It's less of a problem in the playoffs, particularly if they have good playoff schedules or off nights. The playoffs are just a condensed form, right? Over the course of a season, you're going to have some weeks where um, whatever team they play for will only have two games in that week, or one game, or no games in that week. Um, So, it's going to be really tough for you to win your matchup if you have core players uh, that are both missing time during the same matchup, right? So less of a problem probably in the playoffs uh, where it's just a condensed schedule, only three weeks or two weeks if you have a bye. And it's also less of a problem if they play different positions. So if one is a left winger, say, and another one's a defenseman, there's not a lot of overlap there. So they're not going to be in the same position, either missing for that week or both playing on the same night when maybe some of your other players at that position are also playing. So two people from the same team is probably not going to be a problem unless they both play the same position. But three people from the same team is when it starts to become an issue, usually. And four, I would say, from the same team is borderline untenable. At that point, I'd really be looking to uh, get off of at least one of the players, get them out via trade, um, or if one can be dropped for a streamer. And so in summary, I guess, two from the same team, probably okay. Less of a problem if they play different positions. Um Three is when it starts to become something that I'll actually look at and see if I need to make a move. And four is not great. The second question we had from the Mark Skinner is just for some suggestions for commissioners uh, on a preferred league setup. Uh, How many points per goal, per assist, per power play point for your head-to-head points leagues. And I also had a similar question come in from Reddit um, that added in, you know, what's the best number of ads? What's the best roster sizes, league size, all that kind of stuff. Um, so in terms of head-to-head points, I'll start there. Uh, I really like what the uh, Keeping Carlson guys have done with the Cuckupful scoring system. I'll read through it real quick here. So for a goal, it's 4.5 points. For an assist, it's 3 points. A shot on goal is 0.5 points. A block is 0.5, a hit is 0.25, they give one point for a shorthanded point, and then on the goalie side, they have two points for a win, 0.35 for a save, minus 1.5 for a goal against, and two points for a shutout. I'm going to focus more specifically on the skaters because regardless of the goalies, I think uh, anybody who's listening to this podcast, unless it's the very first time, probably knows that uh, I'm going to fade my goalies anyway. Uh, There's not really any scoring system that would cause me to uh, deviate from that strategy, really. Um, So I'm going to focus on the skaters here, and I'm going to focus on uh, specifically the weight between the goals assists and then the kind of peripheral stats you might say the shots on goal the blocks the hits Um, i think they've done a good job here just in the in the difference between a goal and an assist you know the goal is worth 4.5 the assist is worth three so 1.5 times an assist is what a goal is worth i think that's about right Um, and then the shot is worth 0.5 versus a goal Uh, I usually try to compare basically all my stats back to a goal. Uh, So what's it worth in relation to a goal? A shot on goal is worth .5. In relation to a a goal at 4.5, that's um, one-ninth, right, of a goal. And a block is also one-ninth of a goal. And then they have a hit at 0.25, so that's actually one-eighteenth of a goal. And you kind of have to balance what you want to do with bangers, especially if you allow hits to be uh, weighted pretty significantly, then the guys who hit a lot can absolutely just dominate your league. Brady to Chuck becomes like a candidate for first overall. Uh, So you have to be really careful with how you're going to do it. Uh, I kind of like this system because it gives some weight to blocks, which helps the uh, defensemen out. You can stream defensemen who are good blockers, and they'll actually put up some points for you. Uh, They may have limited upside, but at least they'll uh, get some points for you if you need a streamer for that week uh, in your fourth spot or something like that. So I like this setup. Um, I don't like assigning too much weight to hits in points leagues because it does overpower those uh, kind of top scorers who also hit. Um, so you can think about uh, even like an Alex DeBrinket or a Jonathan Huberto this year who's hitting a lot. Um, Any of these guys uh, who hit in addition to being good goal scorers will kind of get completely overpowered if you let them with your weighting of your points. So this is kind of where I'd like to be. You could do probably a little more than 1 18th of a goal in terms of your hit weight, Uh, but I think uh, they're pretty much right on with the shots on goal uh, being just a little bit above one-tenth of a goal. Anything less than one-tenth of a goal, I think, is too light on shots because shots are valuable. Um, I think shots are um, something that every coach in the NHL wants more of out of his team. They'd love it if their team put up 40, 45 shots a night. Um, So I think it's a valuable stat, and it's one that's worth counting, um, and it's one that's worth assigning a decent weight to. And then uh, blocks, like I said, just a good way to keep uh, kind of the lower tier defensemen relevant. Uh, Otherwise, in points league especially, uh, you'll run into a problem where the bottom tier defensemen are just terrible. And you really can't make any progress with bottom tier defensemen. It's almost worth not even rostering them at a certain point and just trying to optimize your uh, forward um, group rather than even try to stream a fourth defenseman. And now, obviously, you can get into how much you want to assign for power play points. Now, Kakupful doesn't assign anything for extra for power play points. They kind of assume that people who are scoring and assisting are getting that weight already, and they don't do anything above and beyond. And that's kind of interesting insofar as it uh, kind of lets the power play 2 guys be worth a little more in relation to the power play 1 guys. So the guys up on power play 1 aren't kind of double-dipping in that sense. In terms of your point system, uh, I can see it either way. Um, basically, the power play points is almost just a bonus for the top point scores. Um, so that is a way that you can uh, you can give more points to the top point scores if you want to add a little bit more weight to your to your bangers categories. So you could kind of counterbalance it in that way, and that'd be fine as well. In terms of Uh, the number of ads for a a league if i'm gonna do it i want to do four ads a week i think it's a good medium i know it's the uh it's what most people are used to if they're playing on yahoo um but i think it's a good uh, medium anything more and the streaming just gets really wild and really intense um and it's really uh important to stream very strongly and consistently um so anything more than that, and I think you're kind of just who has the most capacity to stream consistently and be looking at this the most every day. Um, it's almost more of a an attention span sort of, uh, sort of stat at that point. And then anything less than that, and it feels like you don't have enough moves. You don't have enough to react to injuries as they arise, but also be able to make some strategic moves in terms of streaming uh, each week. So I think four ads is a good spot. In terms of roster sizes, I'm all in favor of larger roster sizes. I think uh, the bigger the player pool, the more uh, uh, fantasy managers' talent should shine through um, because they should be able to identify the people uh, lower in the rostered percentage, you might say, who are going to be able to produce points. And produce or produce categories if that's the system you're playing. So I think uh, larger rosters, um, increasing the player pool is a good way to increase the uh, skill level of your league. Now, if you're in a more casual league and you don't want to have the skill level be too increased so that the top managers kind of dummy everybody and uh, everybody else kind of just gets disenchanted with the league and uh, checks out. Then that's uh, could be a reason to keep the rosters on the smaller side, just so that um, all the all the top players are kind of known to everybody. As far as league size goes, uh, I think twelve is kind of a good spot to be. That's fun for me, but I am much more uh, invested in trying to perfect that player pool size than trying to figure out exactly how many managers I'm going to have in my league. Uh, I think anywhere from 10 to 14 is probably fine. You get above that, and then you get into... If you get into these 16-team leagues, then goalies become... Uh, really big issue are you going to start one if you're going to start two then you know you're looking at rostering almost every relevant goalie in the league at that point um, and that's just not a fun way to play fantasy hockey in my opinion because we all know goalies are stupid so I'm inclined to keep things at a max of 14 and then on the bottom side I don't want to get down into the eight team leagues if I can help it um, there are ways to counterbalance that of course and um, you can increase the roster sizes, like I've said. Um, but I think in general, uh, for most leagues, most setups, 10 to 14 uh, is about where I'd like to be. Uh, also, I had a question here about trade deadline date. If you're setting up a league, what the best date is. And I'd say there's no hard and fast rule here. Uh, you do want to have it a few weeks in advance of your playoffs, So that uh, everybody kind of has to come to a point where they say, okay, this is what I want to do for this season. You know, uh, players who are on the bubble, who are trying to scrape by and scrape into the playoffs, they've got to make some big decisions about, you know, I have this star player, but he's only playing two games this week. I really need somebody who's going to play four games this week, who might be a little bit. Uh, less of a player in the long run, but he's going to help me out this week, and I really need this week to beat my opponent and get into the playoffs. Um, So you want to kind of... um, I think you want to force managers to be proactive in that sense and have that trade deadline, um, you know, maybe three weeks, four weeks out from the start of the playoffs, ideally. Somewhere in that range. Um, But uh, I'm not too... I'm not too hung up on when exactly it is, but you want to have it in advance enough that um, it's not, it's not uh, already known basically who's making the playoffs and who's not. You want to have it a little bit in advance so that um, people have to make a decision on which way they're going to go, how they're going to address their roster needs to make the playoffs, or if they're sitting pretty, if they're in a buy position, you know, strengthen their playoff their playoff position, strengthen their playoff team by uh, looking ahead to the playoffs and who's playing the most games in the playoffs and those kind of things. And the last part of this question was same-day ads versus next-day ads. Um, Advantages or disadvantages, basically. Um, I prefer same-day ads. Um, Maybe this is just because it gives a little bit of an advantage to me because I have a million Twitter notifications on, so I'm seeing all the news as soon as it drops, and I'm able to react to it pretty quickly, usually. Um, But the biggest thing is that same-day ads... um, Really give you that freedom with goalies. And I think goalies are a nightmare enough already without introducing any more um, negative variables. So I'm really about same day ads just for the fact that we don't find out which goalie is starting until an hour before the game sometimes. So having next day ads and having uh, a waiver system or something like that um, makes it really difficult to just stream goalies, essentially, and pick up goalies for the week, and um, you end up having to guess a lot on which goalies are going to play which games. Sometimes you can correctly guess, and sometimes you can't, and it'll end up costing you a week. You don't meet your goalie minimums, and it's just super frustrating. Uh, So, in my opinion, uh, the best thing to do is to just go with same-day ads for those reasons. And the third question I got from the Discord server was from otmac4o. Any thoughts on the predictability of a 14-day or 7-day split versus season-long rates for a streamer or a sit-start decision? Um, So I prefer to look at a 5-7 to game sample size when I'm looking at a streamer or a sit-start decision like this. Um, Basically, my problem with days is that it doesn't necessarily equal uh, games played, right? So when you look at the 7- or the 14-day or the 30-day split, in Yahoo, which is uh, the options that they give you there, um, you don't know exactly how many games they've played just looking at that. So you could be comparing somebody who's played two games with someone who's played six games, uh, and you wouldn't necessarily know. Um, so that's my issue with looking at it in terms of a day. Uh, if you use naturalstatric.com the way I do, then you can sort things um, by the number of games, games previously Um, so five to seven games sample size Uh, most of my articles I write I use a five game sample size I think that's usually pretty good I think it just stands to reason you know that a more simple or a more recent rather sample is more likely to predict the next few games you know a player could have could be playing injured lately or could have gotten a change in deployment um, these are things that vary over the course of a season, and so you need that recent sample to kind of capture that uh, that variance. But by the same token, I uh, want to add a caveat here. You also need to account for the potential of single outlier games really influencing those small sample sizes. So just in a hypothetical situation here, a player could have been promoted to the top line and top power play for a single game because somebody, one of the stars on the team, um, missed that game, and then this player got fifty percent of their individual scoring chances for for the five game sample that you're looking at in that game alone, uh, and it was w- against you know Buffalo or Montreal or someone who's very easy to generate those scoring chances against. So a five game sample could look really good in this scenario, but it's really just a one game sample that was really kind of a perfect storm of a uh, situation for this player and it's just unlikely to repeat so you got to be on on the watch for um how these things kind of kind of play against each other um, but in general i'm looking at a five game sample size most often if i'm looking at a streamer or just looking at a sit start decision and moving on to some reddit questions here this one's from you slash He's asking about Jacob Vrana's situation and value. Uh, I'm going to kind of extend this to be a little more general, um, just to talk a little bit more about players who are in IR for a really extended period and then are coming back uh, when the situation seems pretty uh, pretty set. Like in Detroit, you have uh, Lucas Raymond, who stepped into what most assumed would be the Vrana role this year. Um, so how does Vrana fit? into that. Um, so you have to consider these sort of things when you're looking at these players coming back off injured reserve, they've been out forever and, um, yeah, they're just coming back into a situation that wasn't what we expected when we kind of projected them at the beginning of the season. Now in Vrana's case specifically, I did project him pretty highly. Um, he seemed like a logical fit for 17 to 19 minutes a night, you know, line one power play one, um, is that impacted by Raymond's emergence this year? Um, probably. Um, he may still get on to Power Play 1 and replace Fabry on that unit. Um, but you also have to consider that this is a guy who hasn't played in forever, so he's going to be playing catch-up no matter what kind of uh, practice shape he gets into. Uh, everyone else is in mid-season form, and he's going to have, uh, have to catch up while playing his essentially his early season against everybody else's mid-season. And that's the case for anybody who comes off an extended injury like this. We saw it with uh, Jack Eichel Uh, when he came back, who took a few games before he got things rolling again Uh, and wasn't able to generate much in the way of shots in his first couple games. And that's to be expected. He was off for a very long time with a very serious injury. So uh, unless they're true superstars, I think... Uh, you're generally, and I do mean generally because there are always going to be exceptions to this, but you're generally better off letting them get a few games in and then trying to acquire them. Um, It could be via trade or ad if they get dropped. Uh, It's pretty rare that a player who's not a true superstar, who you're not just automatically rostering, essentially, it's pretty rare that they come back from a long-term injury like this and then just instantly they're crushing it from day 1. Usually there's kind of a break in period, you know, the first game back they kind of if they're a second line player, they might play third or fourth line minutes, uh, kind of ease them back in. They won't play the power play maybe. Um stuff like that. So you need to uh just keep these things in mind unless they're true superstars. Um, It might be best to, maybe you can leave them on IR if you have them on your roster. Maybe you can leave them on IR for a couple of games um, if you don't have to make any moves or something like that. And just let them kind of gain their feet through those first few games on your IR before promoting them to your active roster. So that's an idea you can use as well. And I've got another question here from you slash yager6810. Best way to evaluate team needs before trading and how to find the best trade. Uh, so, if this is categories, there's usually just a function in your league where you can see your rank in the league in each individual category. So you can go there and you can say, uh, you know, oh, I'm doing really well in goals and shots on goal, but uh, in these banger categories, you know, I'm uh, I'm lagging. I'm you know. Eighth or ninth or tenth in the league in in hits and tenth in the league in blocks. So that's kind of the uh, area that I'm falling behind behind the pace in. Um, I also would look to see if I'm rostering too many players that only fit certain slots. You know, if you own, if you have uh, three players who are right wing only, for example, uh, that can cause you to lose some starts due to that inflexibility if they all happen to play on the same night and you know if they had that left wing eligibility maybe you could flip them over to left wing for that night and you would have a spot to to get them in your lineup so that could be a reason that you could um, look to make a trade now if i have if i've just identified a player that i'm looking to trade away you know he's got a sky high shooting percentage ipp uh, on ice shooting percentage, all these things if I'm looking to trade away a player, I look around the league first for any teams who have a need at his position um so if it's you know if it's a defenseman, I look around the league, see who's hurting at defenseman, maybe it's somebody who just had a big injury to one of their top defensemen. Um, and they're looking a little sparse on the back end. You know, this is maybe a, a point at which I can offer my defenseman for one of their forwards, and they'd be interested in making that kind of a swap. By the same token, if I have a, a player I'm looking to acquire, you know, I've identified that uh, their stats are lagging their uh, advanced stats, and I think they're due for a breakout uh, sometime soon. I would look at what position the team that is currently rostering that player, I would look at what position that team needs and then look at my roster and try to form a deal uh, based around what that team needs. It's important to go to the other manager in your league and be able to offer them something that they want. Uh, not, it's uh, it's pretty rare that you're going to go to them and just say, uh, you know, give me, give me your great player uh, and I'll give you this not quite as good player at the same position. Usually you got to try to figure out what they need, what they're looking for. Um, Sometimes you can get it done, you know. Um, Sometimes there are cases, you know, Kevin Fiala had that slow start this year, and maybe his manager got fed up with them, uh, so you could kind of swoop in there and make a deal. Um, There are definitely situations like that. Um, but generally you're kind of looking at positional needs a lot of the time and seeing what you can offer that that team needs. And I got another question here from u-slash-43-9. In a perfect world, what kind of stat would you most like to have access to? Could be a stat that hasn't even been created yet. Uh, I really like this question. I think it's pretty interesting to think about um, basically, what I'd be most interested in is just improving the shot quality data that we have. You know, I talk all the time about individual scoring chances for. I'd love to improve that and kind of quantify that a bit more. Um, maybe put that a little bit more on on a spectrum rather than you know put it in a box. You know, this is an individual Corsi for chance. This is an individual scoring chances for chance. Um, I'd like to be able to kind of assign that a a number almost um, maybe on a scale you know one to ten uh, a shot from this location uh, is a ten a shot from a little further out is an eight a shot from the blue line is you know a one um, just kind of get get that full kind of uh, uh, spectrum and be able to do a little more statistic statistical analysis, uh, based on that. And what I'd really be most interested in, I think, uh, is just, uh, adding, adding the velocity of the shot. Um, I think that'd be really interesting to be able to add, uh, to the location data, which is the primary way that, uh, all, all, uh, hockey data, uh, agglomerators are, uh, trying to, define what a individual scoring chance is or an individual high danger chance um to add to location also the actual speed of the shot so you know if someone rips off a hundred mile an hour one timer uh, that should be considered a much more uh, likely scoring opportunity than if someone you know failed on a wrist shot and it just kind of dribbled in on net but it was from the same area um so I'd like to see a way to quantify those two, uh, those two events a little more, a little more accurately in terms of the actual likelihood of that shot going into the net. I think that'd be really valuable, and uh, there'd probably be a lot more correlation to actual goal goal scoring and uh, a much better chance for us to see some potential regression coming for some players. Another question here from you slash araz907 hopefully i'm saying that right a r a z 907 uh he's talking about fab bidding strategy how do you decide to spend which players are worth spending on how does it impact your streaming or your pickup decisions compared to leagues with same day ads um do you only spend on players who you think will be long-term holds or are you spending on weekly streamers as well um so Right off the top, I'm really zeroed in on players who create individual scoring chances for. That's not going to be a shock to anybody who's listened to anything I've said or read anything I've written in the past year. Um, I'm really zeroed in on these guys who create these individual scoring chances for and they shoot the puck a lot. It's kind of just, in my mind, it's one thing that players can't really fake. Uh, Either they're getting the puck consistently in these dangerous areas and putting shots on goal, or they're not. So if you're following my daily tweets, you'll see uh, a bunch of guys who are doing this a lot, and in the Discord, I also post a list every single day of any player, really, who's generated a lot of tangible offense individually in this manner from the previous night's games. So essentially, I'll spend on the guys who are doing this and doing this consistently because, in my experience, it's the most sticky stat, the most likely to continue. Um, For same-day versus waivers you definitely have to plan things out a little more and kind of just decide how badly you need that streamer in terms of deciding if you're going to actually uh, put some money down for your streamer. You know, if he's firing away the best thing for that week, you know, he's got a five game week coming up and he just got promoted to the power play, the top power play. Uh, then it's probably worth spending a little, Um, uh, maybe don't break your budget. Um, but it's probably worth spending a little just to ensure that you're getting him, even if he is just a streamer. Um, you know, if there's a bunch of streaming options all in the same relative tier, and you don't really have a strong preference which one you get, uh, just don't put in a bid then, and just kind of set a queue. You know, put whoever you you decide is your number one at the top, and um, your, your next one right below, your next one right below, and just uh, see who you get based on waiver priority or who who else is putting a bid in for these players. And as far as impacting my streaming decisions. Um, I mentioned this a little bit before, but really, it's about the goalies for me. It it certainly makes finding goalie streams so much harder because you can't wait to get confirmation that they will in fact be starters. It's really rare to get confirmation, you know, a day ahead of time that the goalie, uh, especially the backup goalie, is going to get a start the next day. So you you become more dependent, in a sense, in finding goalie holds, goalies that you can hold on to for. Uh, some period of time, rather than goalie streams, necessarily, if that makes sense. Uh, another question here from u slash fan underscore, A-P-A-H-A-N underscore. Uh, for Cats leagues, with four starting D slots, do you roster four or five or six? Now, I would say I'm comfortable rostering anywhere from three to six D in a four D league at any given time, uh, in your typical 4 or 5 bench spot setup, you probably don't want to be devoting more than one bench spot to a D consistently, because they're not going to score you as much in terms of points. Um, obviously, if you have bangers, then it's a little more complicated, because defensemen are a good source of hits and blocks. Um, so yeah, at any given time, I'm comfortable um, going down to 3 or going all the way up to 6 and in some rare cases, especially if I'm trying to win uh, blocks at the end of a week or something and I want to add that extra D to get there. Uh, but yeah, I think generally four or five D is probably optimal, um, kind of as a as a resting place in the middle, if you will, um, for a league with four starting D slots. This can also be kind of dependent on your matchup for the week. If you're facing someone who has Um, you know, good defensemen who do a lot of hitting and blocking, Uh, maybe they have forwards who do a lot of hitting as well, and you want to try to match them in those banger cats, Uh, then maybe you want to load up a little more on the D. Um, Or maybe if they're just so far ahead of you, you want to go the opposite direction and kind of concede those banger categories and focus uh, on trying to win the kind of scoring categories, the goals, assists, power play points, shots, whatever you have. Um, so there's some strategy to that as well, looking at your opponent um, and deciding if you're going to do um, a heavier D approach, usually just to get those banger cats uh, in Banger's Cats Leagues. And the last question, or questions I guess I should say, uh, came in from U slash B-W-E-M-O-N-T-S. Uh, you had a bunch here. I'm going to tackle a few of them. Um The first one, how to approach the trade deadline. Uh, Really, approaching the trade deadline is all about maximizing your playoff schedule. If you're going to make the playoffs and uh, you're in a comfortable position where you feel you can say that. If you're on the bubble, it's really all about making the playoffs. You know, you got to make the playoffs to be able to win your league, and we're all trying to win our leagues. Um, So really, you have to decide... Uh, if you're comfortably in the playoffs if you're comfortably in the playoffs you can maximize your playoff schedule via trades if you're kind of on the bubble, then you need to look at trades that are going to uh, really push you over the edge into the playoffs uh, you can look ahead at your schedule see if you're playing any of the other kind of bubble teams who you need to beat to get into the playoffs if you're going to be playing those then you want to kind of plan ahead for those weeks you know maybe you want to make a trade for um, a star player who plays a lot during that week specifically uh, it'd be a pretty advanced uh, strategic move but it'd be uh, it could be really really beneficial as well uh, i've said this before but all these moves are kind of uh, adding a percentage point in your favor. Uh, none of these, none of these deals, no single deal is going to just completely push you over the edge and make you a shoe in to win everything. Um, but every deal that you do make, uh, if you're making good deals more times than not, is kind of adding an extra percentage point to your win chances. And that's that's uh, all we can really do in this game, uh, where there's is, in fact, uh, a fair amount of randomness week to week. Uh, Another question that was in here was, when do you actually start planning for the fantasy playoffs? Really, you start planning for the playoffs as soon as you're reasonably sure that you're going to make them. Um, That's really all it comes down to. Uh, As soon as you're like, okay... um, unless the wheels completely fall off and every single star player I have gets injured, I'm going to make the playoffs here. Then that's the point at which you can start flipping your focus uh, to the playoffs and uh, getting your team ready to win in the playoffs. And the last question here, uh, how to value picks in a keeper league? Um, I think the simplest way to look at this is just to kind of look at last year's draft and figure out, The kind of the range of players that were going in that range. So, uh, let's take, uh, for example, a keep three league, you're keeping three players and you're looking at a third round pick. How do you value that third round pick? So obviously you're going to assume that the first three rounds are all gone. And then three rounds beyond that, which would be the sixth round is where this pick would land. So you look at sixth round picks, um, basically look at that whole round and just kind of get a feel for the players that go in that sixth round. Um, That can kind of give you an idea of the level of player that will be available there. Now obviously you're going to have players in that sixth round who disappointed. You're going to probably have some players who broke out to an even higher level. So don't let that kind of kind of uh, influence you too much. You have to kind of balance it and say this is kind of the caliber of player i can expect to um you know seven times out of ten get in the sixth round and that's the value of this pick is a player like that Uh, i think that's the best way to go about valuing these picks um and yeah, if you're in a position where you're not going to make the playoffs this year then definitely you should be looking ahead and trying to acquire these picks um it can give you a leg up for next year and if you're in a position where you're one of the top teams and you want to push all in, then yeah, by all means, go ahead, trade those picks, um, get in, get the best squad you possibly can, add those percentage points in your favor, and go for, go for broke, go for gold, try to bring it all home this year. And that's all I've got for this episode. Hopefully it brought you some value, helped you get a little bit better at Fantasy Hockey today. I would be totally psyched if you could take a second, just throw a quick review and rating on the podcast. It really does mean a lot to me. It helps get the podcast in more ear holes, as I'm sure you're all tired of hearing me say. If you're looking for that extra push to get you over the edge into the playoffs, uh, if you're already comfortably in the playoffs, get yourself set up uh, to absolutely dominate the playoffs. Make sure you check out the Apples and Geno's Patreon page, also in the show description. There you'll get even more content from Apples and Genos and you'll get more fantasy advice tailored specifically to your team. Uh, in the Genos tier specifically, I'm doing team reviews. Really important this time of year um, to take a look at your upcoming schedule. Take a look at who you need to beat to make the playoffs. If you're sitting pretty for the playoffs, take a look at um, the players on your team whose schedules are really good during the playoffs and the players whose schedules are not so good during the playoffs and see if you can make some moves to really optimize your playoff schedule. And also check out the band There There. They've supplied the music for this pod, and it sounds awesome, and I'm so pumped to have it on here. And that's it, folks. Much love.